Welcome in to another episode and edition of Tyler's World, the podcast. It is episode I don't even remember, and today's date is May whatever, and that kind of teases our interview coming up in a little bit. I'm Tyler Danberg alongside Andrew St. John, and we're going to have later on a familiar face in the world of sports and in social media. It's Chris McNeil, his alter ego, McNeil. You probably know it. You've seen it before, definitely. You can follow him at reeflog underscore 18, and just a great interview. So, uh, Andrew, we, we've we've taken a little bit of a hiatus, maybe like a two-week break after uh, our last replay, replay, uh, replay podcast with, uh, I believe it was game six of the 98 finals, and that was just in time for the uh, one of the episodes for The Last Dance. I'm pretty sure it was maybe the first or second episode. So um, so first off, your your thoughts on uh, the, doc, the doc from ESPN. I, I thought The Last Dance was great. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I, I think some of the issues I had with it is like, uh, it's a, you could tell it was a, a Jordan, produced uh, documentary it was kind of my issue yeah and, and, I, and I get yeah I mean he really did own own the footage and it, it, it was his you know producer wise it was his we talked about this before you know via text via just just any messaging and we both said you know there were some things that were left out even the even, I, the gambling thing they I'm glad they pinpointed that because I think that took away from the fact that people, if they if they left that out and everything would have been all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns, I think that there would be a lot of backlash because that's the most popular scandal when it comes to Michael Jordan's career and Michael Jordan's life. So I thought that was interesting, but the footage nonetheless was pretty good. What did you think of, and I didn't really watch it, but uh, I heard kind of mixed reviews just because it was kind of there, but... What did you what did you see feedback wise of Game Six, the movie of the nineteen ninety eight NBA Finals, where it's just last dance footage? I mean, it's it's creative, it's cool, but I think they were just trying to keep. It was like a deleted scene. It was like they they would show deleted scenes after you watch like a TV show on a DVD. Yeah, I I was uh, I was not able to watch it. I, yeah, I. I saw pretty much the same thing that, that you saw, I think. Uh, it was kind of just a big, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was Last Dance deleted footage. I mean, basically, I think all it was was that it saved some time from SportsCenter. I think that's all, all yeah. overall. Yeah, I was scrolling through the channels today, and I saw SportsCenter was on. I was like, what exactly, like, <laughs> what are they talking about? Like, I had to stop watching uh, First Take. Cause I, I would like to get this out of the way. I think the Jordan-MJ debate is... For the most part, incredibly stupid. Um, it's just stale. It's stale. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's very, it's a very dumb argument to make. It, it's uh, just, it, it's, it's like saying, it, and I've seen this debate pop up. I've seen it pop up where it's, it's what this is even more ridiculous, and uh, it's just like because people want to keep it going because networks and stuff like that they're doing it because they're getting a lot of comments they're getting a lot of attention and attraction and i think it was bleacher report that compared that believe it or not they compared hank aaron and mike trout and said who is the goat first off if you're going to compare those guys then you compare hank aaron and you compare willie mays it's just simple as that you can't compare Guy, and, and if there's any moral of the story, it's you can't compare guys that played in different in you know even within a couple decades. It's just you can't. Yeah, and it's really just like it's just, I I can't believe how stupid a lot of media members are. By the way, it <laughs> is unbelievable. Michael Wilbon saying that Jordan would one average forty points in today's NBA is wild. And then two saying no one in this era of NBA would dominate. Dude, if Kevin Durant played in the 80s and 90s, like I think he would be arrested like off the court. Like they wouldn't allow him to do what he does. I yeah, I I think I think the Durant especially because he's just a he's just a different I mean, he's a different breed. If we're being honest, Kevin Durant it, it, more than anything, you put him 
back in there with his what 610 6'11 frame and you know how skinny he was and and agile and it's just it's just crazy and and I think that um it, it's just you, you can't make the debate now I will say the last dance was kind of released and I think now that's uh because Andrew we're within a year of each other age wise I've always said that Michael is probably going to be the greatest to ever do it. We can't we can't really know anything until LeBron retires. And I forget who made that comment, but that was a great comment um, from whoever, whatever member of the media that, you know, you got to wait till LeBron retires for everything to settle down. First up, you're making these, you know, you're making these debates, two-way, three-way debates that go on what? Like three, four months after Kobe Bryant's death, I thought we were not going to discuss yeah. who's the greatest. No, I totally agree, Tyler. I actually thought that of like, if right after Kobe Bryant's death, they're like, you know, we just need to appreciate greatness for what it is now. And then the and last three months comes later, out and hell breaks loose. And then I see a bunch of fifty-year-olds on Twitter talking about a three-six mafia. I'm like, all right, guys, can we, can we not do this right now? Like. This right. is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it is. Just let everything settle over. Let LeBron retire it, whenever that is, and then we'll see. It's just wild, like, the narrative. Dude, they're trying to make, like, sound ni- like 90s basketball was the Vietnam War, dude. It's like, dude, it's it was not that. You know, they make it sound like it's it's football. It's like it was yeah, not. It, they make it sound like they're out there and, like, they're just playing football without any pads on. You know, believe it or not, I think Michael Scott's quote about basketball might be the most accurate. Okay, I, I'm going to I'm going to read it to you. Okay, so Michael Scott in the in the iconic iconic basketball episode. Let's 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 pull this up right now, courtesy of Dunderpedia. All right, football is like rock and roll. It's just Bam, bam, boo, bam, bam. And basketball is like jazz, you know? You're kind of doopy-doo, doopy-doo, ba-la-ba. It's all downbeat. It's in the pocket. It's like doopy-doo, doopy-doo, da-ba-da. There you go. It's it's like, I honestly, it's a great uh, great representation of just even, even, you know, no matter what, it's going to be like that. You know, all, all in all, all in all, there are so many great players to play the game, and I think Michael Jordan is the greatest competitor. It's just it's it's settled. Nobody nobody set anybody off like somebody set off Michael Jordan. And I think that's just how it is. Now shifting from that, we've got some more talks uh we've got some more talks related to Major League Baseball. Is this the first sport that we see coming back to the professional realm? I'm assuming yes, and I think personally, just in my opinion system, that there's a very good chance that it should be back. Well, it's it's a non I, I don't want to say it's a non-contact sport, but compared to basketball, I mean, it's it's a light contact. And, you know, I, I think it'd be pretty easy if uh, you test the players. You yeah, know, they, yeah. Apparently, they, every, every state saying now they have they have a bunch of tests that they can do that they have no problem with testing. Yep, and, and, and I think you know, test the players. And, 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 I, and I think this you see a lot of you see a lot of players. Well, not a lot of players, but you see tweets and you see stuff like that. You see tweets from P- I think Blake Snell, Sean Doolittle. Those two guys are very outspoken major league baseball players that have spoken out. But those are just two guys. There are a couple. May- maybe it's in the lower double digits, but. Let's be honest, there are many major league players, and of course there are minor league players, some that support, some that don't, but we're talking about major league players that support it, that want to get back out there, and there are ju- if there are just a few guys that are, you know, being critics of the whole plan, let them do that. And maybe once they get more negotiations and talking with the players' union, then they might get a change of heart. I think once Major League Baseball figures out revenue, how they're gonna, how they're going to, are they gonna divvy it up? Are they going to spread it around, or are they going to basically put small market teams in a bad situation with saying you got to be in charge, you got to roll over, you, you got to do all this and try and squeeze as much radio, TV contracts, and all that to try and get out of the way? 
I don't know how that's going to happen because, you know, that's we're, we're just we're I'm a junior in high school. You're a senior in high school, almost a freshman in college. So I think that's just like that. But um, but I think that all in all, I think baseball should and I think it will be back. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with most of the players, but at some point it's just if this isn't going away anytime soon, you can test all the players and just kind of. But, I mean, NASCAR got big ratings on Sunday. Huge, they have like, huge. They have I like mean, seven million viewers. I think I saw. I think I saw that was probably for a for a regular. I, I think for any race, I think that was one of the higher highest rating races since I think Truex won in like two thousand. What was that? Two thousand eighteen. 2019 when he won the sprint cup and then i think it was daytona of a couple years ago i think that was the biggest since but yeah i mean they they got big ratings so if i was the mlb i I also would like to credit mike roth mike roth had a great idea of do you legalize sports gambling in every state and you go look we're gonna cut in the leagues in at let's say five two to five percent you're gonna get two to five percent of the legalized gambling record uh i i mean they would make their revenue back like that yeah and we talk and we've talked about it like that and, and we've discussed that in our in our uh famous well not so famous group chat but um you know i agree andrew i think it would be a good idea to implement it the only downside i think is that what happens when all of this ends and everything goes back to normal? Well, the new normal, at least. But once once fans will be able to incorporate and you know revenue will be just uh, it it'll be gained back and won back faster than you can say baseball. You know what happens? Do do the models change? Do they keep going with those lines and incorporate the gambling with? with broadcasts and with teams and all that. And uh, but but again though, we talk about the new normal. I think business models should probably have to adjust and that they are adjusting currently. So maybe we see gambling incorporated into telecasts and radio broadcasts and into the world of sports like really focused heavily within the organizations internally. And we might see that maybe for our lifetimes. Who knows? Everything's up in the air, but I like that idea. Yeah, so I love that. But Or just go to the advertiser and go, look, if we're going to get giant ratings, you're going to have to pay like we're going to get giant ratings. Like for bigger events, advertisers have to pay more because more eyes are going to see it. Go, look, more eyes are going to see your product. You guys got to pay up. I think we'll see a lot. I think we'll see a lot of uh, – I think we're going to see a lot of – alcohol ads i think we're going to see a lot of you'll see a lot of those big big budget miller commercials and budweiser i mean i if if you know hopefully and i think there will be nfl football you can't you can't you can't cancel an nfl season you can't even cancel college football because they lose like 4.5 billion dollars you got to find a way and you have to think they keep talking about trying to save the economy think about a Sunday downtown when the Browns are home. All those bars are going are crazy. They have all the parking people. They have all the people that are working downtown with whether it be security, bartenders, food staff, and you have you, that's not even inside the stadium. So the Browns not being home is going to cost the city alone a bunch of money. And I don't even think like the Indians are for big Saturday night games with like East Fourth and all that stuff and East Six. Yeah, but I think so, that I mean, is it's gonna but, start losing a lot of money. But I think with baseball though, Andrew, bars are go- bars bars in uh in big cities are going to absolutely flourish because you know what happens when you can't get in the stadium? But you can't you gather. Ways. Well, See, that's, what if- the, that's the issue is that if they're not gonna have 60 people 60,000 people at a Browns game this this year the, all those 60,000 people are just going to be with even more people at bars which is I, I really don't understand some of this stuff is go okay so the 60,000 people that would probably normally go to a Cleveland Browns game on a, on a Sunday afternoon are going to go with more people to bars and then so they're just going to they're going to be around more people than they would be if they just went to the stadium right 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 which you know, I, I think that that'll probably be the case. And um, 
I, I, I was just saying that, you know, probably I'm saying bars could get back, you know, they, they could still do relatively well if they, you know, things start opening up and they can see people in the bars and, you know, at, 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 uh, at the bar and in tables and being seated like that and, and even even patios as well. But you know we we don't want to weigh down the uh, weigh down the conversation and uh, this isn't going to take away from basically one of the main reasons why we're doing this episode. We've got a couple more guests lined up for the next week, but um, this is kind of kicking off the big one and it uh it, it's Chris McNeil. You know him. You know his alter ego, McNeil. He's a great guy. Funny as can be, and just and, and also he's a great, he's a great per, he's a great on-air personality. If you haven't checked out the Big Play Reflog show, you have to go and check it out. It's it's great, it's great. Everybody there does a fantastic job. I know we've both tuned in a couple times, especially after you know a Browns game or two, and uh, it, it's it, it it's a great interview. So um, Andrew, any final thoughts before we go to our interview? No, not not really. I hope sports are back eventually. I know, I know, we'll, for I know high school will be over. I know we'll have a bunch of episodes before you before your official graduation. But all over, you know, when it comes down to it, though, you got to tell the story. You, you know, you got to tell us how uh, how your graduation went because oh, our I high school, wait. our high school, Fairview High School, was one of the first to do this uh, to do this type of commencement. So it will be interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of I don't want to say whiners in the grade, but you know, there, there's some people. It's like, you know, guys. I, there's reasons why we all can't gather. You guys exactly. Know that, right? Exactly. And yeah. I think we yeah. all know what's who's being talked about. But all in all, let's go to the interview, McNeil. Let's do it. And wow, it's it just a great interview. Great guy. And here's McNeil at Reflog. Reflog. Excuse me. Follow him at Reflog underscore 18. Welcome in. We've got a special guest, special interview. You might see his tweets. You might see him on his podcast. It's Chris McNeil, his alter ego, McNeil. Thank you so much, McNeil, for joining us. Uh, for those who don't know, he is uh, very very Twitter famous, especially in the, the realm of Cleveland sports, and uh, he hosts the Big Play Reflog show. And, uh, well, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, guys. I'm glad to be with you here on a Friday evening. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's very, very different Friday evening, uh, May, whatever it is. And uh, how has how has quarantine been for you? Yeah, you hit it on the head. May, whatever it is. It's kind of the days run together, right? Right. So I got three three young kids that I've been homeschooling now ever since they've been out in March. And now we're coming to the end of it. So that's a good thing. You know, I'm sure you guys are, too, and probably happy for it to be over. Uh, really weird. You know, you don't sign up for that when you send your kids to school in the fall to uh, to basically for two months be homeschooling them. But we made it through. I was just checking out the kids grades. Grades look good. So uh, everything is solid. Everything's solid. Ready for Memorial Day weekend and rolling into the summer. What's been the, what's been the hardest uh, hardest subject? to uh in homeschooling your kids math no doubt i mean math is different now i don't want to sound like an old fogey but you know you guys do math differently than what i learned i can get to the same answer but i just go about it a completely different way and it's completely wrong versus the way you guys go about it and so if you're having to show your work you're going to find yourself falling into trouble so that's the one that always trips me up is the math with the kiddos right and uh i i feel like that's just kind of that's, I think that's just a, a part of the whole process. I think you hit the nail on the head there. That um, that it's it's so different from the way it was, and it's it's just it's pretty crazy now to to see see how that is. So um so so we'll we'll just kind of start with the whole uh, the whole moniker, your alter ego on Twitter. So when did that all begin? Was it always was your Twitter handle always reflog underscore eighteen? Sure. Yeah. I, it was, um, actually, excuse me, glossed to me by my friend back in high school used to call me reflog just cause I golfed. He didn't golf. He thought it was kind of unique that I played golf. And so he being the eccentric guy, he was, he started calling me reflog. So when I got on Twitter several years ago, 
probably been six, seven years ago now. Uh, I just adopted that. And then I went on and I was looking for, for something that would fit the golfer mantra. Uh, and I found the cigar guy and the cigar guy is just fantastic. Uh, you know, if you guys have ever seen the famous shot that Tiger Woods hit, oh, yeah. um, if you go online, you just Google Tiger Woods cigar guy. And it's basically, um, from the Ryder cup from several years back, uh, you see this shot of the gallery and you see Tiger Woods hitting a golf ball directly at the camera. And it's a fantastic photo. One, one of these days when I have a really big office, I want to have this in a big blown up um, frame behind me because it's so fantastic. But then you look in the crowd, you pan from left to right. You see normal people, normal people, then cigar guy. And basically he was a fan of the Euros and he went there and he dressed as his favorite golfer, which was Miguel Jimenez. And uh, this, this guy just stands out. I mean, it's completely out of context. You know, you would have sworn this thing was photoshopped by itself, but it was such a magic picture. I had to incorporate that as my avian. That's where it all came from. Great. I like, I always love like zooming in on like big crowd shots because you can find yeah. some very bizarre people in, in the crowd pretty much wherever. <laughs> There's, There's always that one, one guy, right? If you get a big enough pan on any crowd, there's always that one guy, that one gal, somebody you could find. You just go, what's up with that guy? And that, that was definitely cigar guy in this one. Yeah, I think waste waste management open. You might get you might get a couple you might get a couple characters, but um, I I knew a little bit about a couple. Well, yeah, a couple in the every, waste management everyone. open. Oh my god, I, I that that's one of those. You know, I want to go to the Masters one day, and I also want to go to Phoenix for the waste management open. I tell you what, that hole every single year, and I'm I'm old enough, guys. I've I've seen it since it was a small thing. You know, a few ro- you know rowdy guys who probably had a few too many pops out there to what it is now where you've just got a built up super gallery all the way around the thing. It's basically arena style or like NFL football and you get it the week before the Super Bowl or the week of the Super Bowl. And it's just fantastic. So that is definitely on one of my bucket list items someday for golf. So I, I guess probably your, your claim to fame is the, the perfect season parade, which we were at. Is, well, well thank you guys. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the support out there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you wore something very, very warm that morning. Oh, it was bad. Yes. It was really bad. It was really bad. I mean, at one point with the wind off of the lake, it was legitimately with wind chill negative 16, which was perfect, right? Oh, and 16. Great. It was negative 16 when we get out there. It eventually crawled up into like nine degrees or something by the time we launched off. But my God, it was cold. It was cold. Yeah, we were down there for a while. Oh, well, my favorite part was the people tailgating in the parking lots, which we saw. You parked next to people tailgating. That was hilarious. That was the best part because, you know, <laughs> the city of Cleveland said, hey, in order to have this parade, we have to, because this is, of course, post 9-11. So they had to have people out there bomb sniffing dogs to check everybody who comes through this parade. So they said, we're going to have to have everybody there at least two hours early. And, and I think their thinking was this could create some kind of a, big inconvenience for me and for everybody coming down there and in hopes that maybe you wouldn't have that big of a crowd where it kind of did the opposite right you had everybody down there two hours earlier what are cleveland fans going to do with two hours to kill they're going to drink right so it ended up being this huge party you know at the front of it you had uh rover from from uh rover's morning glory and his big bus and and they were up there drinking having a good time and they kind of set the tone everybody who was there was ready to tailgate at what 10 in the morning on a saturday i mean how fantastic was that one last party for cleveland fans i I don't know about the safety involved hopefully everybody had a, a designated driver for that one some of them i may have doubted so Kids, be safe if you're ever to have a, an 0-16 parade. If you have people line up early, make sure you check DDs in the future. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd probably be good to do. Now, uh, I wonder if it do, – do you think there might be a Super Bowl parade in, uh, in your lifetime? And if so, maybe you might be able to contribute because you were kind of the, you were kind of the leader of the guinea pig of the Super Bowl parade. Well, I wouldn't be a delusional Cleveland fan if I didn't think we were going to have a Super Bowl and multiple Super Bowls rather quickly. And I've thought that through my entire life. Now, of course, I'm 0 for life on that prediction. But, you know, the team right now is trending up once again. We always win the offseason. I think that we 
pretty much won this offseason. If you discredit that whole Tampa Bay signing the guy from the, the geriatric guy out of New England, I think we had a, had probably the best offseason of anybody. So I think we're pretty close if we can keep things together. But, you know, how amazing would it be to have a Super Bowl parade in Cleveland? I mean, that's just fantastic. Everybody, I mean, it was great with the Cavs. You know, millions of people down there. It was hot as heck uh, down there in, in downtown Cleveland. For, for those of you who haven't been to a Browns playoff game and for guys like you who haven't lived through it, um, it is unbelievable. Even the games themselves, before, after, I mean, that atmosphere is just electric. And if you multiply that by some integer to get to what the parade would be if the Browns win a Super Bowl, I could only imagine. I could only imagine. I hope the city's left after we would do that um, because it, th- there's so much pent up just losing and, and aggression that you get from that losing that I think p- people would be ready to burn off a lot of steam and celebrate. And you'd see something like no one's ever seen before. Yeah, I had my first moment last year where when we it was at no the wait Titans wait 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 a second wait just just one second wait I hate to I hate to interrupt. What's with the Michigan sweatshirt? I mean, I <laughs> when you guys invited me on, I wasn't aware that I'd be talking to somebody in a Michigan sweatshirt. I I, I really do, do. You have something else? Can you do? You have something underneath that? Maybe you could take it off. Maybe change real quick. I don't know if I can complete this interview with the Michigan sweatshirt. I I can change real fast. <laughs> oh, what, what's wrong? You you beat us every year. I don't understand why we have to take the abuse. Isn't losing that's a, enough? That's a good point. That is a very good point. We do have you guys' number. Hopefully, we have a season this year because my November will not be made unless we beat Michigan. And the only hope you guys yeah. have of that not happening is obviously there not being a season. Yeah, I had a bad two day swing last year. The Michigan lost Saturday, and then I went up to Pittsburgh for the Browns. <laughs> Yeah, Sunday, yeah. and I was See, like, oh, tough two-day swing. I That's think, a rough swing right I think that it would <laughs> actually – the season would actually um, – it would – it would um, – it, it wouldn't ben- – well, it would probably benefit Ohio State more than it did Michigan because if there's no college football being played – this fall, which I think there will be, I, I think so, and and I think that's they're going to play, whether it's coming from Mike Gundy or somebody else. But I think the only one that it's not, the only school that it's not going to benefit is Michigan because that means that Jim Harbaugh is safe another year. Well, that's true. That's he has true. a lifetime contract up there. I, I know. And what's what's with your alumni? Your alumni just like for some reason there is a group, a very strong and and very vocal group. Everyone that likes Jim Harbaugh. And, and that's just so great for Columbus. It's just so great for Ohio State. Like, keep loving the guy, I guess. I mean, I don't get the appeal at this point if you're Michigan. I mean, you hear all the stories. He's a Michigan man, and everybody up there loves to fall in love with the Michigan man. I get that. I keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It's working out really, really well for us down here in Buckeye land. Yeah, I've gone up there the past two years. I have family that goes there and lives up there, and they they will never let Jim Harbaugh leave the University of Michigan. Now, were you down here in Columbus for for the Urban Meyer final game? No. Okay, I went to that one. I went to that one, and my God, you guys just got boat raced. Holy Toledo. (laughs) I thought thought that we were going to lose, that both Jim Harbaugh – and Urban Meyer, that was going to be their last game based upon the boat race that that was because we already knew Urban was out, and I thought for sure Jim was going to be gone. But you're Michigan guys, you know. Like, no, 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 we got to keep a Michigan man in there. Like, All right, okay. We'll send a rookie head coach the following year to beat your ass, you know? Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, but I just say ass on here, right? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's okay. That's okay. This isn't a school project? Uh, not, not, not really. I mean, yeah. Andrew's pretty much graduated by now. But, okay, okay. but, but, but my, he's gone by now. So, <laughs> so oh, I figured all the rules went out the, went out the window. As soon as I saw the Michigan sweatshirt, I'm like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, Andrew's a Michigan fan. I know you're an Ohio State fan. Coming from a lifelong Florida Gator fan, um, it's, Ooh. I just, I just want to, I just want to warn you, do not, <laughs> yeah. do not be surprised, Chris, about, do not be surprised if, when, or not if, when Urban Meyer takes another job, because he can, he can, ah, he yeah. can just as well we'll pull another heart attack and go over and uh, lead the Trojans. So just warning you. That's, 
I like that expression, pull another heart attack. And yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, hey, I, eyes wide open, eyes wide open when we had Urban. Yep, exactly. So, um, so moving more back to uh, kind of <laughs> your uh, your your latest endeavor. So, so one of the things, so the obviously the perfect season parade, and we'll get a little bit more on that later on because that's just it's just 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 legendary what you did. Very, I mean, it's incredible. Some may you know some In- may infamous have their maybe. I don't know. I don't know about legendary. Maybe infamous is the right word for that one. Yeah, it, because I mean, it, it is there is some ambivalence toward it. But um, but one one of your latest. Uh, quote unquote headlines is uh, your use of the Cavaliers 2016 victory parade. And you've been doing this, you've been using that forever just because, I mean, you, you are a satire account and, and that's what, you know, it's, you, you gotta love it. And uh, your latest one has been in response to uh, the whole quarantine and the coronavirus outbreak. And it's gotten so far where Mike DeWine even said in a presser that they are banning Cleveland Twitter from posting pictures of the Cavs uh, 2016 NBA <laughs> championship parade and claiming it to be a Trump rally. Again, these orders it. are temporary. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And, and you know, that started obviously after the championship and we had the big parade and it was like, you, there was this competition among cities for any world series, win, any championship, win, basketball, football, about how big the parades can be. Right. And then you, you add on top of that, Donald Trump and his rallies. And he was always talking about how big his rallies were. So about that time is when I thought, you know, we could really repurpose what we've already got in the Cavs championship parade for, for many uses. And uh, so I started when, with the Trump stuff and, and started saying, you know, Hey, you know, the lamestream media won't report it, but look at this Trump rally in Jacksonville. <laughs> and of course you got a picture of the, the Cavs championship parade. And what ends up happening, even though, like you said, in my bio, it clearly says satire, people don't take the two seconds to go and actually look at what kind of an account it comes out of. They just see a blue check mark and they see that come out and they put blinders on based upon whatever their 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 ilk is. If they're on the left wing, they're going to call it, you know, that that's fake news. They're on the right side. They're going to take it and they're going to blow it up. And that's what happened with the Trump rally stuff. It ended up on websites like Ann Coulter's, um, several other, Laura Ingram, several of the, the right-wing uh, talking heads adopted it, put it on their website, and were taunting these things. And it actually got, and I, I must have done that, I don't know how many times, it's almost become a cliche in itself. Uh, so that got a lot of run. And now recently with the COVID stuff, and this was, a month and a half, two months ago, when we were kind of at the beginning of it, everybody was like, hey, in unity, we need to lock down right now. We understand the severity of this thing. People are taking precautions. There really wasn't the political divide with it that we see now. Uh, but that's where I put, put out, in order to support that, we had a march to a rally to support COVID, uh, to, to support um, the effort against COVID. And I sent that out. And at that time, I got a lot of backlash of people saying, this is serious. I can't believe you're not taking it seriously. I can't, people would not be this dumb to do it. Well, fast forward a couple of months, and now you're seeing all kinds of pictures that look like the Cavs 2016 championship parade that are actual pictures that are live now. So it, it kind of foretold uh, what's going on right now in a lot of municipalities and a lot of areas as we open things up. And it's kind of kind of weird. It it was started as a joke, and and now it's not so much a joke as we see this this kind of play out across the United States and across the world. So what is like? So my my favorite like running joke was the Mansell. You go uh, to Mansell. Bring out the Browns. Yeah. Plus I one. You just leveled up on the trolling. Well played. Well played. Um, so my, my favorite running joke was the tweeting out of the, the helpline number at, at first energy and like people texting oh. it. I know I've got my number blocked by them a few times. That's another, good but one. what, what is your favorite? What is your favorite running joke between everyone? And well, between I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you a little story about that one. So as any, anybody who doesn't know, if you go to a Browns game or you go to just about any stadium anymore, you're going to see, um, written somewhere that if you see any rowdy fans, please text whatever number 
uh, so that security can come, get them out, resolve the situation, whatever. And um, a few years ago, um, back when the Browns were really bad, uh, I, I tweeted that out to people so that they could register their complaints that they may have. Now, those people are all sitting at home, so they'd have complaints about, you know, the dumbass on the sideline calling run plays in third and nine and things like that. And they continually do it. And, and that, that was a running joke for a couple of seasons up until the point uh, where I actually had somebody from the Browns fairly high up uh, reach out to me and say, hey, man, I, I think your stuff is really funny. And, you know, we take it in stride here. We know we haven't been very good. Uh, but there's this one thing you do. If you wouldn't mind, if you would stop sending out that number, because it jams us up so badly every time you do it, that there are legitimate concerns that go un untaken care of. So uh, you'll notice that I've actually stopped doing that one. There are other people who still do it. And they'll send it to me and I won't necessarily retweet them and I won't make a big deal out of it for that reason. The Browns have specifically said, hey, please don't do this anymore. And I kind of understand where they're coming from. Um, my favorite though, my favorite probably running gag has got to be just the whole Karen thing. Like we were all over Karen before Karen became a thing because we had Karen and Key Largo. And for those that don't know, Karen Key Largo is an old lady who used to live in Florida and used to be a huge Florida State fan. And her contention when, and it's very appropriate, you're wearing that Johnny Manziel, um, is that when Johnny Manziel came out, that he was a fantastic quarterback and he was going to be a Hall of Famer. And the only thing that could get in his way was the Cleveland Browns destroying a quarterback. And my contention, this is just after we drafted him, was, Karen, you're an idiot. This guy is a moron, and he will not succeed. I would like to see him succeed as a Cleveland Brown, but he will not. And it will not be because he's a Cleveland Brown. It'll be because he self-destructs, because he has got so many issues off the field. That's going to be his undoing. And to this day, she still claims that the Cleveland Browns ruined poor Johnny Manziel. And uh, to that, every time she comes up on my feed or – or let's say she comes up quite a bit. So not every time, but every once in a while, I'll just rile her up with a good shut up Karen. And that's probably my favorite of all the tropes that I do on there. Do you I also cannot imagine what your Twitter feed looks like. You follow so many people. Like, is there a way to like vet a bunch of people out? Like, well, that's the thing. See, I, I have my philosophy on Twitter. So I'll just follow back anybody if they like my stuff. Right. And and that that creates a community, essentially. Right. And you have a big, a big source of a community. Now I got people in the media who come to me to get the word out on things. Um, so that's my philosophy. Now, with that, I haven't looked at my feed um, in probably a year and a half, two years. Like if something happens, I look at what's trending and I'll look at those things. And then number two, what people call to my attention. If something big is happening. I'll see it in one of those two places. So I don't ever have to go to my newsfeed to ever see that stuff. So I never do. And if I did go to my newsfeed, I'd probably have like a bunch of Japanese anime and stuff like that, that I have no interest in at all. Uh, probably plenty of porn as well. Uh, all that stuff that's not Browns related, not even close to the stuff that I'm going <laughs> for on Twitter. So uh, I, I try and stay away from my newsfeed because you guys are absolutely right. That would be a complete minefield. Do you think it, like, say if you went on, have you played around with uh, screen time on your phone? I Yeah, I'm aware of screen time. I don't want to look at screen time, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I look at my kids' screen time, and I, and I, you know, discipline them based upon that and try and set parameters, and then they come back with things like, yeah, what's your screen time look like, Dad? And I said, don't worry about it. As soon as you're paying for the phone, then you can worry about my screen time. <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Maybe approximately how many hours do you, how many minutes, hours are of the day are you on Twitter? Because, I mean, you are pretty alert and you're pretty sharp yeah. throughout the day, reply-wise, too. Yeah, it's really pathetic and embarrassing uh, now that you bring it up. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how much time it is because it, 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 you know how it, it's just like answering texts. Yeah. It's like you have a minute here, a minute there. You know, if I'm composing a tweet, it doesn't take that long. It's usually something that just comes to my head. I don't sit there and 
wordsmith it forever. So it's just, it's just like picking up pennies. You know, it's not much when you go and you pick up individual ones, but by the end of the day, you have a crap ton of pennies. And I think that's kind of what it is with my screen time. I'm probably, probably by the end of the day, up to like a hundred bucks in pennies. And that's kind of the equivalent of what I've done in my time on, on the screen uh, through Twitter throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 again, it's just, that's just kind of how it is. Like you mentioned, it's, it's kind of like a text. So, um, if you had to, I, I've, I, I've always went, when, when you agree to come on, I was kind of thinking to myself and Andrew, you could tell me yours as well. Um, if you wanted to just give me, uh, if you just want to give me a Mount Rushmore, uh, or a four of the great uh the the greatest cleveland sport teams just year wise so for example we'll just say the 95 indians if you had to give me your four who would they be so the 95 indians would be on that list um 2016 Cavs would be on that list the 1986 cleveland browns would be on that list and i'd probably go i mean if you if you would allow me to go outside of cleveland i'd go probably 2001 2002 Ohio State Buckeyes that yeah. championship because that was really the first championship that I ever saw that I ever saw for one of my teams you know being a Cleveland fan I missed 1964 by a few years that was a few years before I was born so that was the last Cleveland championship and of my teams the Buckeyes were only the only one that was close and uh that season was just so magical um Craig Krenzel was was a quarterback who was definitely a game manager, really smart guy. But even in that, he made some huge plays, just a huge throw against Purdue, um, even against Cincinnati. I mean, there were some finishes in that season that were just unbelievable. And then, of course, the championship game uh, with the infamous pass interference against Miami. Maurice Claret coming out of nowhere, just being a fantastic player all year long. I mean, that was just such a fantastic team and just so memorable for me because, you know, you always remember your first, and that was the first championship for me. So that team would definitely be on that that Mount Rushmore as well. Yeah, that Miami team was just absolutely stacked. If Loaded. You, if you look at Loaded. it, if you look at it, if you want to compare it to, uh, what, 2014? The yeah. first year of the playoff. I mean, that Oregon team, they were good, but they were nowhere near what Miami was. And that 2001-2002 Ohio State team went undefeated and did not lose to a Virginia Tech team at home who would go 7-6. and six. That's right. That's right. It, it, it was an unbelievable ride. Unbelievable ride, both of those were. It's just... You know, that's that's what's nice about having Ohio State here. You know, it's a nice uh, – you can have a good Saturday even if you don't have a good Sunday in the fall, and that's what Ohio State gives you. Unfortunately, Cleveland, over the course of my life, hasn't given me a whole lot to root for, and uh, and it's great to have the Buckeyes right here to know, okay, at least we can count on you guys. You guys are going to be good year in, year out, no matter who we lose, no matter how we rank in terms of recruiting – we're going to be at the top. We know that going into the season. So that's always nice to have. So, uh, so I'll go with ones that I remember mostly. So 16 Cavs, uh, 16 Indians, uh, 17 Indians, (laughs) and the 2016 Lake Erie Monsters. There you go. Called or cut. Right there. Called or cut. Oliver Oliver Borkstrand in, uh, in overtime. There you go. Ah, the memories. Yeah, it's well. Well, what if you had if you had to weigh in on that when that kind of that whole streak of 2016 championships? There's always that great debate. Does it start with Stipe? Does it start with the monsters? Does it just start and end with the Cavs? What What are your thoughts on that? That was such such a magical time, really, because you had you had everything going in the right direction, you know, for all three of those teams, I I don't know, or two of those teams and then uh, the boxer, but you think about, we were so darn close to having the Indians and the Cavs at the same time hold titles. And and that's actually, you know, kind of going back to our conversation at the beginning, that's where the impetus for the whole parade came from was that 
everything was so positive in Cleveland. And you had two teams really doing such a fantastic job. You had Calder Cup with the Monsters. You had Stipe. And then you look at the Cleveland Browns. And it, w- it all came down to one tweet. You know, it was like the first quarter, one of the, one of the early games that year where we almost went 0-16. And I just wrote, and this was right after the Cavs parade, I just wrote, this Browns team deserves a parade. Right. And it was totally, obviously, tongue in cheek. The Browns were looking horrible and it was just such a letdown. And the Browns, their place in Cleveland has always been number one and it should be number one. It is a football town. This is a football state. Um, You know, the NFL grew up here. They had headquarters in Columbus before they moved out to New York. You know, in Canton, that's where they were founding the NFL. It's uh, it's got such a rich history. And to see what has become of our Cleveland Browns, it was, it's just sickening. And this is a team and an ownership group that I thought didn't really understand that maybe, maybe enough. And that's where the extension of that, that stupid tweet became an actual parade. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough that year, we did not go 0-16. We went 1-15, if you can consider that fortunate. Uh, the big beneficiary of that, of course, was the Cleveland Food Bank, uh, giving thousands of dollars to the food bank. The Browns, for their part, uh, were, were kind enough to match our donation. And, uh, you know, it, it really ended up being a good story and something that we thought we were going to be putting behind us at that point. And coming into the next year, we thought, OK, you know, I don't know why, you know, we did what we did and bring it back Hugh, But, um, you know, this is this is. maybe we're going to build towards something and then we go 0-16, right? And uh, that's where the parade needed to happen. Um, And despite that fact, we still brought Hugh back after that. But, uh, you know, that's where we brought in Dorsey and we thought things might be going in the right direction. And here we are now, uh, two coaches later since then, thinking, okay, we got Stefanski in here. Maybe we've finally got it in the right direction. We got Andrew Barry. We've got another good offseason. Maybe we finally got in the right direction. I hope so, fellas, because I don't want to be talking about any 0-16 parades. I want to be talking about a Super Bowl contender, a Super Bowl team, and a Super Bowl parade. Well, I always remember it was game – I think it was right before game five of the World Series, Janinians could have clinched it, and it was the game they should have started Ryan Merritt. But the Browns played the <laughs> Jets yeah. that day. Yeah, how about that, right? And well, that was the game they spelled go dog pound wrong. And everyone was wearing yeah. Indians jerseys instead of yeah. Browns jerseys. And they blew like a 20 point lead. But I always remember that. <laughs> of, like Everyone going to the Browns game to kill time for the Indians. And speaking, speaking of Ryan Merritt, I believe he was the one too, who he, he got married. Right. And uh, the word got out that he was getting married and his registry was online. And that leaked out to Twitter and uh, everybody on Twitter, and this is the power of, of Cleveland Twitter. I, I, I stand by the fact that I think it's the most unique group of individuals, um, kind of a, a hive of people that you're ever going to see. Uh, Cleveland Twitter got a, hand, got a hold of that. And then they bought out everybody, everything on his registry for him. Here's, he's, a, he's a professional baseball player, and he was a rookie, so, you know, on a rookie scale. But, you know, he could easily didn't, – didn't necessarily need that, but that was just the outpouring of how much people appreciated what he had done up to that point um, for Cleveland. And it's so cool. I mean, there's, there's so many stories like that that you get out of Cleveland Twitter, and that's just one of them. But you brought him up, and that made me think of that going back to that season. Did, did you happen to um the, when when it got you know tor- towards the parade time not not to go back into it too much but did you yeah. happen when when some of uh did you get some comments from some of the players co- uh, staff execs anybody and then did you use uh, if so did you kind of leverage that or just tell them about some of the benefits of the parade such as the food bank uh, as ways to just kind of you know, tell them to embrace that and to kind of cheer them up with, um, with, you know, instead of make, making it just all a joke. Uh, you know, I tried to get that message out there as much as I could that, Hey, this thing is doing some good out there. But when it came to the players, I didn't try and change their minds much. I, I really didn't. I, I expected the players to be upset about the parade. I was hoping 
the players would be upset about the parade. I mean, if you go 0 and 16, you better be pissed. And you really shouldn't be that pissed about a parade as much as you are pissed that you went 0 and 16 in the NFL. You know, that just should not happen. Uh, Joe Hayden came out pretty hard against the parade. Um, we had, and I can't remember the lineman's name. Emmanuel Agba. Agba. There we go. Emmanuel Agba. Thank you for the help on that. Emmanuel Agba came out very strong against it. Um, and, and I completely understand that, that coming out of the locker room. I, I thought the best though, was you had the players who were getting upset. Then we had the parade and then the spokesman for the city of Cleveland, one LeBron James was asked about the parade and they said, Hey, what do you think about these players getting upset about the parade? And LeBron James said, well, if you're upset about it, you probably shouldn't have gone. Oh, and 16. <laughs> so LeBron backed me up pretty well on that one. And as soon as LeBron backed me up, then I, I knew it was, I was in pretty good. Uh, I was, I was out in the clear at that point. Cause uh, if you get LeBron behind you, then you're going to be okay. Well, this is, this has been fantastic. You joining us for a good amount of time. Um, so, so as we're kind of concluding here, um, you know, if you want to tell us a little bit about the the big play reflog show that you've been doing for what it's it's been about over a couple of years, couple, right? Couple of years now, yeah. The big play reflog show started off as a post game show we used to do with the Browns um, on the internet. Uh, obviously, on my Twitter feed, you can find it. And uh, we used to have callers that would call in after the games, drunken callers, and it was great. And uh, you'd have people very, very upset and very, very intoxicated, and they would definitely speak their minds. And it was popular enough that we decided to just make it a weekly show. So now we do it every Monday night, uh, 9 p.m. Uh, we'll generally get players, some pop culture type of folks. Um, you know, we've had people like Bobby Carpenter from from the Ohio yeah. State Buckeyes. We've had Joe Thomas on there. Uh, we just had Mike Freeman from the Indians last week. We had Mark Price from a Cavs legend here not too long ago. We had Frank Caliendo on there, who's absolutely fantastic. And uh, we're, we're looking to get him back on. So, yeah, you can catch that every Monday, 9 p.m. And you can catch that the easiest way to find it is at reflog underscore 18. It'll be pinned to the top of my feed. And uh, it's about an hour show. It's myself, Dave, and Bree, generally. And um, sometimes we get Gab from the Indians. She'll fill in for Bree when she can't be there. But always a good time. Uh, usually an interesting guest. And uh, so definitely tune in this Monday, 9 p.m. There you go. And like, like you said before, follow him at reflog underscore 18. And if you don't know how to spell that, it's for those who don't know, it's golf or backwards. Just golf for backwards. Thanks, fellas. Thank you so much. Chris McNeil, McNeil at reflog underscore 18. Just follow him there, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. So I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Hope you enjoyed our banter. Hopefully we get some more leeway and, and find out maybe if there will be baseball coming up soon, but we will have some more episodes coming next week. Thank you again to Chris McNeil. You can follow McNeil and his amazing Twitter account at reflog, which is just golfer backwards. Like we talked about before at reflog underscore 18. And then you can watch him and the whole big, big play crew. You can watch the big play reflog show on his account at reflog underscore 18. So for Andrew St. John, our guest today, McNeil, I'm Tyler Amberg saying so long in Tyler's world out. And we will be back after the holiday weekend.